1: which Solomon fared to do. If you're just a hearer of the word, you begin to get a false concept of yourself and a false concept of yourself leads to pride. I go to Bible studies. I'm really studying the word of God. I know the scriptures. I've memorized the book here and there and I know the scriptures. That's great. Are you practicing what you do, what you read? Has it come into your heart and is it part of your life? Are you acting upon what you've read or is it just, are you just reading it?
0: When is reading the Word of God a bad thing? When all you're doing is reading and you don't allow the Word into your heart to change you from the inside out, take a moment today to ponder what Pastor Dave is saying. Are you just reading the Word or are you allowing it to change you and living it out in real life? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 1 as he continues his message with a little help from my friends.
1: I don't have immunity from problems. I don't have immunity from sufferings, from hurts. We don't. But I do have God, my Father, who will deliver me out of all my distresses. And that is something we can really hang on. We can really glean from that, that when we're in a time of trouble, when we're in a time of woe, we can talk like what we talked on, on Sunday when Jesus said, my soul is trouble. God delivers us out of that trouble. How does he deliver us? By showing up. He shows up in the midst of the time of trouble and we get to declare his word and we get to declare his love for us and our thoughts are changed. The difference between a Christian and a non-Christian isn't the fact that we don't have distresses, it's the fact that we have the one who redeems us out of all of them. Where those who are not Christian still have to live in that problem and there's no redemption they got to make their way the best they can, or perish, or whatever. But David says, the Lord redeemed me out of all my problems. He delivered me out of all my distresses. In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul said, and spoke about God, who delivered us from so great death, and does deliver us, and in whom I trust that he will still deliver us. Hear what he said there? Being a child of God didn't give me any protection, But when I am a child of God, it means that I'm going to be delivered from them, in them, and away from them. I'm always going to be delivered. I will be delivered. I am being delivered. I have been delivered. It's a constant deliverance from these things. Constant deliverance. The rude awakening when we think that we're not going to have problems. All who live godly will suffer persecution. That's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy. Don't get discouraged when problems come along. Know that if you're a child of God, you don't have to face them by yourself. We talked about that on Sunday. You don't have to face them alone. God is with you and he knows what you're going through. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what you're going through. He's going to redeem me. He will help me with my problems. And he's going to bring forth a victory. He's going to work all things together for good for those that loved him or are called according to his purpose. And if you don't believe that, then go to Romans and rip it out and throw it away. And then you might as well rip up the rest of the book too. If you can't believe one promise of God, then you can't believe any of them. Even in my problems, I'm going to have a different mental attitude than those that don't have the Lord. Because I know the Lord. My faith, my hope, my trust is what God will do in my problems. David knew that firsthand. David. You can say the sinner of sinners, David. Although Paul might argue with you. I might argue with those two also. Also. David knew firsthand that God delivered him and will deliver him, is constantly delivering him. It's a glorious witness. David's at the end of his life. Very shortly in chapter 2, David is going to go to be with his fathers. David is going to die. And a great witness at the end of his life, David is able to say, as the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress. What a beautiful testimony. What a glorious testimony. We too can say the same thing today. Even in the distress that you're in, God is delivering you. Even in the midst of the time of woe that you may be in right now and experiencing. God is doing a mighty work within you. If you surrender and let him. If you allow him. If you allow him. I just had to stop there because it really spoke to my heart. As the Lord lives, who has redeemed me from my life from every distress. I like that. I like that. So David's going to proclaim Solomon, his son, as king. Let's read 31 to 40. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and paid homage to the king and said, Let my lord, King David, live forever. And King David said, "'Call to me the Zuck the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jeduhiah.' So they came before the king. The king also said to them, "'Take with you the servants of your lord, "'and have Solomon my son ride on my mule, own mule, "'and take him down to Gehom. "'There let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet "'anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn, "'saying, Long live King Solomon.'" Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, and he shall be king in my place. For I have anointed him, appointed him, to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaniah, the son of Jediah, answered the king and said, Amen. May the Lord God of my lord, the king, say so too. As the Lord has been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord, King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan, the prophet, Beniah the son of Jediah, and the Cherethites and the Perlethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and took him to Gion. Then Zadok the priest, took a horn of oil from the tabernacle and anointed Solomon, and they blew the horn, and all the people said, Long live Solomon. And all the people went up after him, and the people played the flutes and rejoiced with great joy so that the earth seemed to split with their sound. Wow. David proclaims. One commentator said it was very interesting that all three offices were on display here. The priests, the prophet, and the king. And then he made the reference that all three of these offices were glorious filled by Jesus Christ. He's the priest, the prophet, and our king. Look at some of the things that David said. Let him ride on my mule. Let him ride on my mule. Well, the mule was the mode of transportation for royalty in Israel. Hence, Jesus entering into Jerusalem, what did he ride? A donkey, a mule, right? I read somewhere that a mule was an animal of peace and a horse was an animal of war. When Jesus rode in Jerusalem the first time, he rode on a mule. He came in peace. But when he comes back, he's riding on a horse, which means conqueror. And he's going to come in and we'll be with him. Zaduk, the priest, and Nathan were going to anoint Solomon, taking oil from the tabernacle. Oil represents Holy Spirit. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. They were going to anoint Solomon to be king. Blow the horn. The horn is the shofar. they make a big announcement. They're going to blow the great big horn, and everybody's going to rejoice. Long live Solomon, the king. David says he's going to sit on my throne. He's going to sit on my throne, not when I die. He's going to sit on my throne now. David was basically stepping aside. Oh, he'll, will kind of like be ruler. And I got, I have to, I don't know why I have to share these crazy thoughts I got with you. But somehow the Lord shows me different things and he wants to describe it to me. David became Solomon's advisor, much like Vito Corleone became Michael's advisor when Michael became the Don. Remember and Michael fired um, uh, Robert Duvall, his consigliere, he said, what better than I have than my father? Solomon has the best counselor around, his father. He's going to counsel him for a while. That's the way I think. I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I get I think that way. It made sense to me. It made sense to me that way. So Solomon is announced king. Long live King Solomon. Everybody seems to have forgotten about Adonijah. Everybody, he's still out there. Adonijah is still roaming around. Let's read 41 through the rest of the chapter. 41 through the rest of the chapter. Now, Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. I bet they had indigestion after that. And when Joab heard the sound of the horn, he said, why is the city in such a noisy uproar? While they were still speaking, there came Jonathan, son of Abiathar, the priest. And Adonijah said to him, come in, for you are a prominent man, and bring good news. Uh, wrong. Then Jonathan answered and said to Adonijah, No, our Lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has sent him with Zaduk the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaniah the son of Jediah, the Cherethites, and the Pelethites. And they made him ride on the king's mule. So Zaduk the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king at Gihon. And they have gone up from there rejoicing so that the city is full of uproar. There is noise that you have heard. Also Solomon sits on the throne of the kingdom. And moreover, the king's servants have gone to bless our Lord King David, saying, May God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and may he make his throne greater than your throne. Then the king bowed himself on the bed. Also the king has said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has given one to sit on my throne this day while my eyes see it. This is the beginning of the Davidic covenant. It's starting to be fulfilled before David's eyes. He's starting to see that someone from his own seed will sit on the throne, someone that the Lord... Has decided. So all the guests who had Adonijah were afraid and arose, and each one went his way. Say Adonijah, they were gone. They bolted. They didn't hang very around very long. Now Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, yeah. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. And it was told Solomon, saying, Indeed, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. For look, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Then Solomon said, If he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall on earth. But if wickedness is found in him... He shall die. So King Solomon sent them to bring him down from the altar. And he came and fell down before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, go to your room. I mean, go to your house. (laughs) Solomon was anointed king. And everybody who was with Adonijah bolted. They left. Adonai, fearing for his life, took hold of the horns of the altar. And this is an ancient universal custom. It was a religious act in a sanctuary for peace and justice. It was like being in a sanctuary city. If you took hold of the horns of the altar, you could not be killed for what you've done. It was a place of safety. The accused man would find safety if he fleed to the altar. It's much like a church where people run into a church and they yell sanctuary and they're kind of protected. It has the kind of like the same meaning. So he took hold of the horns of the altar. And it's a custom that's important to understand. It was not just used by Israel to protect the guilty man. But if an man acts with premeditation against his murder to kill him by treachery, you can take him from the altar that he may die. And you can find that in Exodus 21. But Solomon gave Adonijah a chance to redeem himself. If he proves himself worthy, not a hair will fall. Solomon gave Adonijah limited reprieve. This went against the custom of the ancient world. It went against it. It was common. Even expected when a new king came in, they would kill everybody, just like Solomon and Bathsheba were afraid that they would get killed. Solomon not only let a potential rival live, but one who openly tried to subvert his reign. Don't fret. Get to chapter 2. He doesn't let him live for long. This was a large measure of grace, though, that was given in mercy on part of Solomon. And it was the start of a good reign. Let Solomon be greater than his father. At the same time, Solomon wanted Adonijah to know that he should show the slightest inclination towards rebellion. He would be killed instantly and mercy would come to an end. This is a hint at what's coming in chapter 2. And although Adonijah came and fell down before King Solomon... Adonijah knew that he received great mercy from Solomon. He wanted to show his gratitude and his reliance upon Solomon's mercy. Another rebellion is put down. Another rebellion is solved, and a nation of Israel once again comes back to peace. Solomon is the king. Solomon is now the king. And it's interesting to me that in Deuteronomy 17, 18, God gives requirements for every king. They were supposed to make a personal copy of the book of Deuteronomy. In other words, they were supposed to take the scroll of Deuteronomy and then write it in their own hand. It's almost like memorizing it. Remember when we were kids, at least I did, when I, had a, when I was in the second and third grade, we had spelling tests. I was a horrible speller. Thank the Lord for spell check. I was a horrible speller. But we used to have to write. When we'd have to write each spelling word five or six times until you got it right. You'd have to write them down. Well, this was a good idea. Each king would have to write the book of the law, have to write it out in their own pen hand. And, you know, I was talking with Ken before study, and we were talking about this. And, you know, when you're reading Scripture and you want to memorize it, sometimes if you write it down... Sometimes you write it down, it kind of sticks with you a little longer, doesn't it? And you have it, and and you've said that. So again, you go back to the journaling and, and things like that. Writing things down is important. But one of God's requirements was that each king would make their own personal copy. In this way, they would learn to fear the Lord. And they would obey all the terms of these instructions and decrees. Because they were listed out. Deuteronomy is basically a rehash of the law and it goes into some other details, but it's basically a rehash of the law. Throughout the account of Solomon, as we go into 1 Kings, we're going to see the tragic effects of these pride and his disobedience. As we continue on the book of 1 Kings, we'll see that Solomon did not obey the word of the Lord. Instead, he followed his prideful ambition, and it ran wild. The word of the Lord says, don't collect chariots and horses. Solomon had hundreds and hundreds of chariots and horses. The word of the Lord said, don't collect wives and concubines. Solomon had hundreds and hundreds of wives and concubines. Solomon went against almost everything that the Lord had put in Deuteronomy. What can we learn from this? And why did I bring this up? God has left us a book of instruction. God has left us each a book of instruction that we can read from this book, we can glean from this book, God's ways. What God would have us do in our lives, how we would live our lives, how we would get to know him better, how we would know that we need salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. He left us an instruction book. He's given us there. We too have to read it. We have to learn it. And it's encapsulated in all these pages. We need to meditate on it. We need to write it out if it helps us to memorize it. Because when you come against temptation, you come against it with the word of God. Jesus, when he's being tempted in the wilderness, three times it is written. And he quoted the word of God to Satan. And he came against Satan that way. We need to look at these things. We will need to learn to fear of the Lord so that we can obey these things. We need to be doers of the words, not hearers only, which Solomon fared to do. If you're just a hearer of the word... You begin to get a false concept of yourself. And a false concept of yourself leads to pride. I go to Bible studies. I'm really studying the word of God. I know the scriptures. I've memorized the book here and there. And I know the scriptures. That's great. Are you practicing what you do, what you read? Has it come into your heart and is it part of your life? Are you acting upon what you've read or is it just, are you just reading it? That's what being a doer of the word is. Sometimes we think we're in better shape than we really are. Then we're not acknowledging the truth about ourselves. The heart is deceitfully wicked. The heart is deceitfully wicked. Only God knows what's in our heart. And sometimes we can even fool ourselves. Well, we can't fool God. We need to be doers of the word. Those that have the law that are there justifies, but those who do the law. We must do the work of God. We must do the work that he tells us to do in his word. It tells us how to get salvation. This is the mistake the Jewish people made. They thought, well, we have the law of Moses. And he says, the law's not enough, Paul says. The law's not enough. You're not doing it. Yeah, you have the law, but do you steal? Well, yeah. Okay. Do you commit adultery? Well, yeah. Do you murder? Well, yeah. Well, you're not living the law. You're not doing what it says. James said you have the Word of God, it isn't enough. You have to be doing the Word of God. It's got to be practical application. That's why when we teach the Word of God, I don't care if it's taught in the back by Bill or Mark on Monday nights or me on Sunday and Tuesday or whomever stands in this podium to teach, we need to help you to apply it to your lives. There needs to be application of the Word of God, and application is such a big part of teaching God's Word. It's such a big, big part of reading God's word and gleaning. That's why if you hear me, when I pray on Sunday mornings and what I pray tonight, it's very similar. Help us to know what we're supposed to do according to what is written here. Let us take these words and apply them to our lives. Well, there was a lot said tonight about pride. A lot said tonight about doing, being doers of the word. There's a lot of different things said. We need to look at them and say, okay, where do I stand up in these things? How do I stack up? Am I prideful in things? Do I need to get rid of that? I need to humble myself more. Am I doing the word of God? If it says don't grumble and complain, am I grumbling and complaining? It says don't murmur. Am I murmuring? It says don't backbite or gossip. Am I doing those things? See, there's things that we can glean from the word of God that would help us become better Christians, that would help us become closer to God. That's what he's saying here. Solomon didn't do that. Solomon didn't do that. Solomon chose a different path. Jesus looked out at them, and he said, why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? We all call him Lord. We all call him Lord, and he is. Rightfully so, he is our Lord. Then why don't we do what he says? And please don't think I'm pointing at you because I'm pointing at myself more. It's coming right back at me. We need to make a conscious effort to do what he says, to take it into our hearts and let it become part of us. Solomon didn't do that, and that's what we're going to study for the majority part of 1 Kings. We're going to study how Solomon didn't do that. He was the wisest man ever. He starts out like a house of fire. He starts out fantastic. Ask me anything you want, Solomon, and I'll give it to you. Anything at all, you name it. Lord, give me wisdom. Oh, man. That pleased God more than anything. And he gave him all this wisdom. Where did it go? Did it just rattle around in his brain and flee someplace? He wrote Proverbs. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. The book of wisdom. But he falls so short. falls so short. He didn't finish well. Solomon didn't finish very well. I wanted to leave you with that. I didn't want to bring you down. I wanted to leave you with that to know that when we do God's word, things happen. We can rejoice in his love and we draw closer to him. And it's a more of a loving time. He's a good, good father. He's not going to force you. But he wants you to do those things. So, Read the the Word of God and see what it says to you. I mean, that's what it said to me. I read through these things, and I pick up notes, and I study here and there, and that's what it says to me. I mean, you you may read it, and it might say some different things to you, and that's good, because it's personal. It should. But read the Word of God. You are sure.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on Assure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 Kings or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you, and if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be part of our church family virtually. You can join us for Church Online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com and don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we are grateful that you were a part of our listening audience today. Be sure to join us again next time for more from First Kings right here on Assure Hope.